Hello, and welcome to Smooth Scaling, the podcast from Insight Partners that helps revenue leaders scale their software companies at every stage of growth. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan, and today I'm speaking with Lori Barlev, who has built a career in revenue operations, most recently at Papaya Global, a global payroll, payments, and workforce management company. Well, Lori, we dive right in on this show, so let's go ahead and get started. As you reflect on your career, what's one customer success initiative you've been involved with that had a major impact on revenue performance at your company? First of all, Jeremy, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I want to talk about my experience at ComplySci. It's a company that manages compliance for personal trading, or at the time, just for personal trading for financial services companies. I had joined at the end of 2020 and at the beginning of 2021, ComplySci had a few marquee clients that were up for renewal that the CEO had asked me to focus on and make sure that we retain them. At the time, the customer success team was not optimized to retain these customers, much less find ways to grow other customers. The background had been that the CEO had stood up the customer success organization in 2019 and structured it as expected to address the challenges the company was facing at the time. By 2021, i.e. into our second year of COVID, the environment had, as expected, evolved. Customers were beginning to knock on the customers' doors even harder. The clients felt that they weren't being supported enough by the company. The customer success managers' portfolios continued to expand, and the team got to the point where they were focusing more on triage and support versus helping the clients understand the value that ComplySci was bringing. You mentioned just to wind you back just before COVID that the CS team had been set up for the challenges at the time of the setup back in 2019. What were some of the characteristics of the way it was set up and and what were the challenges that they were looking to solve pre-COVID? Sure. So the team was set up very flat and very flat organization. There were CSMs and one head of customer success. And As the company grew, they just kept adding more customer success managers. The success managers also, their portfolio was basically undifferentiated between among one another. So instead of saying you have the mid-market team focusing on clients from this ARR to this ARR, every CSM managed very small clients to very large clients. And the reason that that was less of an issue was that the company up until that point really had a preponderance of clients that were about the same size, that there wasn't as big a difference. And as 2020 came through, the needs were different. With a smaller client, there were, there's one point of contact, maybe one executive sponsor. And as you got to larger companies, you might have multiple points of contact. You might have the day-to-day contact and the strategic contact, and everybody was handling their customers the same way. Were there account managers also? Sometimes you see the the CSMs maybe focus on the day-to-day contacts, and the account managers will focus more on the strategic contacts. There wasn't. The customer success managers were advisor-focused, an advisor-focused team or consultant-focused team. They didn't have revenue tied to them. The sales team closed both the initial deal and all all upsells, cross-sells. Got it. And there wasn't a differentiation between strategic customers and kind of your everyday meat and potatoes customers. 
So wind the clock forward, you have this much broader base of customers of different sizes, and the CS team was you know set up for the original scale up of the of the business. And now, what are the new challenges that that arose? First of all, there was such a difference between the smaller customers that were being managed by the client success team and the larger customers. There was a need to migrate from an older platform to a newer platform. And it wasn't a very easy migration. And there wasn't a project manager to take on the responsibility of migrating from the old platform to the new platform. And I think we just started getting larger and larger clients. A lot of times with migrations, that is a an issue more with on-premise software and a little less with SaaS. But was this SaaS at the time or was was it on-prem? It was SaaS to SaaS. SaaS with a with a large migration. So that that is unusual. Could you use in-product types of solutions to be able to do that? This was software that had been around 10 years, I think. And it was set up really for a smaller company. So the if you had multiple different divisions that you were monitoring, that was not managed as easily in the old as it was in the new. And so you generally would have three different instances or an instance per division that you were, you were managing. Whereas the new software, you put all three of those businesses underneath one account. Got it. Okay. So you needed to, to sort of deal with two issues. One was the segmentation of your CS team and specialization of your CS team. And at the same time, make sure you had enough capacity for them to migrate these existing customers. So there's a lot of change management involved, even once you know what the problems are. I was just thinking about framing in general, right? You you can frame NRR as the ultimate objective, and then there are a whole bunch of different levers you can get there with. One is migration. But when you think about NRR overall, there are a whole bunch of other levers. So it totally makes sense to me to want to specialize that function. Were there any other challenges you faced? It's not that there was pushback on the new structure that I was putting in place. It was more a matter of it's hard to do change. So I recognized that there needed to be a kind of solution architect, product expert within the customer success team who could take on that role of when the client had a technical question that the CSM didn't need to have the detailed answer for. Or if it was a particularly difficult setup We needed somebody who could come in and help do the setup. So I created that role to allow this customer success team to be much more focused on helping the client realize what the value was that they were getting from ComplySci. The other piece of it was that was a challenge was that I had a team that was very different in skill sets, both from a technical standpoint as well as from a customer success standpoint. Many of the customer success managers had been promoted up through the support team. And support's very much focused on a reactive response and let's solve the problem. And customer success and it's solving a problem that's already happened is not a good activity for the customer success team to be focused on. And so I had to start training the team to understand what does it mean to be a customer success manager? What are the types of conversations you should be having? How should we be having these conversations? I'd sit in on calls. I'm like, yeah, the two of you guys could go have drinks and you'd be happy as can be. But you're missing that the client doesn't have to be happy. They have to be happy about the product. Right. So part of that was just 
reframing the conversation with the team or, or helping them reframe their approach to their customers and understanding that there is a value to reaching out and having customer conversations on a regular basis. So if we do a release and it's a big release, that's an excuse to talk about it on your next customer review or biweekly conversations. So it was getting that into their head that there are little things that are very good for them to come and point out to the customer that will allow them to develop a relationship based on the success of the product and the value of the product's bringing to the client versus, oh, I'm a good person and I get along well with my my contact. Yeah, it's it speaks to the importance of being proactive and delivering value against whatever their objectives are as opposed to just being quote unquote triage, support triage. I also wanted to go back to the other challenge you had, which was you had an unsegmented customer success team and you needed to segment them. We we had done a study recently of portfolio companies and we looked at different aspects of go-to-market maturity. And one of the things that stood out was the highest performing companies had segmented customer success organizations. So absolutely a critical thing to do. We have a lot of listeners who are at companies who are scaling up, who are facing the exact migration issue that you had going from flat CS into segmented CS. What recommendations do you have for companies who need to make that transition? Do it carefully. I think you have to really figure out how you're going to segment the customers and what kind of work is required to support each of those customers. Where are their similarities so that you can leverage the conversation you have with one customer with another? So one of the big things we realized was that customers of a certain size had very different expectations, very different organizational structures that we're working with than companies of a different size. Is that segmenting more on ARR or it's segmenting more on the end customer, some sort of firmographic or demographic aspect of the end customer? I think for initially it's ARR. I think as, and our our solution was fairly straightforward and I'm not sure how much it really differentiated across different clients, how different clients, we had different modules that the clients could use. So I think in in the initial pass ARR and what a, what a CSM can manage in terms of time. So I looked at how many, how many emails, how many business reviews, how many weekly sessions, how much problem solving, how much training each of the customers would take based on their size and then backed into what made sense in terms of the ARR under management was, as well as the number of customers. And, it, and it's there's no science to it. It's, it's an art. My rough rule of thumb is one CSM for every two to three million in ARR. And that means if you have jumbo accounts, then you have fewer accounts per CSM. If you have smaller accounts, then you have tons and tons of accounts per CSM and maybe need a significant amount of tech touch. Do, do you have a, a similar metric that you double check I use the one and a half million. Got it. And it's going to depend on the complexity of the software, the complexity of the problem that you're solving, how much handholding the client needs. Yep. I think it's also worth noting, right, that companies when they're when they're younger tend to have a uh, a much lower amount of ARR under management per CSM, so that the CSMs can really delight 
the customers so they can learn from the customers and, and evolve and that as companies scale they can they can gain the efficiency so I, I think that's one factor and then there are economic factors too if you're likely to retain customers for a very very long duration right your lifetime value is quite high so you can you can pay a little more to serve them if your margins are higher you can give that back right a little bit pay a little bit more to, to serve them as well so lots of different things affect that ratio yeah and I, the other thing i think that affects it is what do you have in place as well so if you have an account management team which is what was created in late 2021 they took on additional responsibilities with the largest of the customers from the business reviews, helping the business reviews, helping with the sussing out for upsell and cross-sell opportunities. At, uh, initially, it had been the CSMs. They were supposed to figure this out and pass it on as a lead to the salespeople. Now you had account managers come in and help out on that aspect of it. So that frees up people to take on more clients because they're not doing everything that they were doing initially. The other piece is how much kind of very tactical work needs to be done. And if there's a lot of tactical work that needs to be done, that is training ground for a CSM. Yeah, I know a lot of companies don't yet have a super sophisticated customer health scoring system, right? So if you're trying to determine things like configuration, usage, and so on, it may be not so trivial to be able to pull that data. So uh, to the extent that you can lever leverage somebody else to help in preparing that for QBRs or customer health scoring, I think that's that's a critical value add. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the other things that I put in place was the health scoring. And it, it, you had to figure out what it was that indicated health or risk. And once you figured that out, you still had to capture that data. So for us, because ComplySci was a software that clients had to use until they chose another vendor, usage didn't matter. Like usage was going to be consistent. There was no change. And I looked at it across hundreds of clients. But the interaction, the engagement, the reaching out to support was an indicator. Okay, well, now you have to capture every meeting that you have with a client, right? And, and, Initially, we, I mean, at the time, we only had Salesforce. And while Salesforce is great, it was a manual effort to put the um, meetings into Salesforce. Now, we had a great way of doing it, but it was still manual. But the benefit of that was by coming up and looking at the data and trying to figure out what was the determining factor if we were to get another platform to help us manage customer success. But until you have a platform, you have to do it manually. The other aspect of change it is as you as you're segmenting the business into smaller customers and larger customers is that you may have to move accounts around any guidance or philosophies around account movement that was a huge piece of what happened when we moved comply side from the existing model to the new model it was complicated by the fact that it was during the what did we call it the the covid wave of oh the great resignation so before it was the great resignation, it was the, the anticipation that there's going to be some change. But yes, it was the great resignation. So we had a whole process and plan in place to migrate customers. We tried to first cross-train the, the CSMs on their new accounts with the people from their old accounts. Trying to, we tried to minimize the number of 
clients, uh, the portfolio going to, let's say a CSM's portfolio going to multiple CSMs and rather try to just say, okay, here are your five customers. You're getting this new CSM. The old CSM gets the other CSM's three clients, you know, to minimize the, the amount of interaction that the CSM's has to have to have with one another. Also doing it at periods of time, trying to not do it all at once, but rather say, okay, let's try to do these two CSMs first, and then these two CSMs, and then the two CSMs. One of the things that the customers had complained about was points of contact to comply side. So as we went into this whole conversation with the clients is we would have the conversation with the CSM, the new director, and for the bigger clients, me. And we'd go in and say, hey, this is what we have for you now. Your client, your, your CSM is changing. Here's your new CSM. The director is managing this new CSM. Director's been around for a long time, not going anywhere. I'm here. Your CSM is setting expectations. Your CSM is your day-to-day. Your director is, if there's a problem where you're trying to get in touch with their CSM, but the CSM isn't around or what have you, that first point of escalation. I'm the second point of escalation. So you have to introduce first multiple points of contact for your clients who you're migrating so that they don't feel like they're being lost in the mix. That'd be my biggest piece of advice. Yeah. I had a couple of rules of thumb having, having done this the wrong way myself in the past where we had a vision for where we wanted to be and we just ripped the bandaid off and, and went straight there and caused a lot of consternation among the client base. My rules here are one is try to switch accounts after the renewal. And I've seen companies do this, I will say do this to me frequently, but I actually respect it. I think it's the right way to operate is like get through the renewal and then change the CSM afterwards. Yeah, we did that as well. As we're wrapping up, I, I love to ask a series of usually business-related rapid-fire questions, but I was, I was tickled pink that you had listened to a couple episodes of my prior podcast, Hey Salespeople. So I'm going to actually ask you a, a personal question, which is, you know, we talked a bit about things that you were doing at work during COVID. Were there any significant hobbies that you got a chance to pick up during that time as well? Yeah. So I have been a skier all my life, and as COVID came in, there became a need for a role at Wyndham Mountain where I ski. There's a program for four to six-year-olds who ski and are small and cannot necessarily get on the chairlift that well. So I was asked to be a rider. So I rode up with the four to six-year-olds on the chairlift, making sure they got on the chairlift and make sure they stayed on the chairlift until they had to get off the chairlift and then get off the chairlift. It was the best job I have ever had it was one, it's one that fills me with smiles and happiness all weekend long. Oh, that's incredible. It was such a pleasure having you on the show. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom about customer success and also about ways to, you know, contribute and build upon your hobby. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jeremy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Smooth Scaling Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. For more information about the topics we discussed today, check out the Insight Partners blog at insightpartners.com slash blog. See you next time.